Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 44 of Licensed to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. I have a... So it's Sunday and I have tomorrow off. It's President's Day. Me too, me too. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. I had actually forgotten that I had President's Day off. Because Okay, I know like a lot of people have President's Day off, but in my district, we have a number of uh, Jewish holidays off, like really early on in the beginning of the year, which is a holdover from when the the district was like 85% Jewish, so like nobody was showing up anyways. Uh-huh. And so, which is not the case anymore. I think I've talked about this. Like now the school is like 80% African-American, but uh, they all know the Jewish holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I thought, that there were that President's Day was one of the days that like oh well like you had Yom Kippur off so like you don't get President's Day and it's not and I do have it off and I didn't realize that until Thursday when they made an announcement at the school like hey everyone remember no school on Monday and I was in the teacher lounge and I like looked up and I said wait wait what we don't have and everybody looked at me like I was a crazy person which is fair uh, Dave, I actually weirdly had the ex- like. I mean, I was not sitting in a student uh, teacher lounge, rather, but I had a very similar circumstance where I walked into work on Thursday and I looked over at like this like TV bulletin board thing we have that like cycles through like office announcements and mm-hmm. said like, "Don't forget, we're closed on Monday." I was like, "Why would we be closed on Monday?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, over the last three years, it's, I think, been really easy to forget about President's Day. But the President's Day is about the good ones. Yeah. So, you know, that's exciting. Uh, anyway, Dave, you know what else is exciting? Is that today we are wa- talk- watching and talking about episode 44 of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. It is called The Persistently Wacky Gekiso Chase. Uh, but of course, before we get into that, shining in the heavens, there are five stars would you like to hear what our first Star of the Week is? Yeah, Matt, I sure would. Dave, our first Star of the Week is that, um, well, it is related. The first Star of the Week is not exactly that our sister is coming to town, because she's not in Cleveland yet. It is related to the fact that she is coming to town, um, because here's the thing that happens, uh, or has happened a number of times in the last few years, is that when our sister Katie is living overseas... Uh, she is not always able to get home for Christmas because, you know, yeah. distance Actually, and most money. of the time she does not. Uh, most of the time she does not get home for Christmas. Uh, yeah, especially since she's been in Japan. When she was in other places, it was sort of like hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been very difficult for her to get home. Well, not difficult, but like super expensive, so we don't worry about it. Um, from Japan to America for Christmas proper. But it's pretty uh, affordable for her to get home around February. So in yeah. February, like, you know, mid-February, we do, like, she comes to town for a couple of weeks, and then at some point in there, we do, like, wave two of Christmas, right? Yes. Uh, which is a blast. 
It is. It's tons of fun. It's, yeah, you kind of loop back around. And it is, it's a much more condensed affair because it only operates. It's not like a spider web where, like, everybody's giving presents to everybody. It's like everybody gives presents to Katie and then Katie gives presents to everybody else. And, like, that's it. Like, right. there's only one. <laughs> it takes, like, an hour and a half. Um, yeah, that's great. But it's very nice. Um, but, Dave, here's the thing. I, I was done with my Christmas shopping. But my Christmas shopping did not include buying something. It's not done with you, buddy. Right. Like, it did not include buying something for Katie because Katie wasn't going to be here for Christmas. So I wasn't stressed about it. But then I got a text this morning that was like, hey, here's the phone number you can reach me at in the States. And I think she might be in the States now. Yeah, she is. She landed Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 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 with mom and dad. Yeah. So now she is, like, on the same continent. And it has become very clear to me that, like, oh... I need to buy her a Christmas present, like, immediately, and I have no idea what to do about it. Well, Matt, if it makes you feel any better, I got a message from Katie earlier today saying, Hey, do you have any good ideas to, for a Christmas present for Matt? So, you guys are in the same boat. And I said, I do. I have one really good idea, and I was saving it for his birthday. But if you can't think of anything, I will, I will let you use it. Because you're my sister and I love you, but I, I do have one idea. All yes. right. Okay. Well, that's that's good for me, at least. What's not good for me is that I have no ideas for her. Because, like, what do you buy somebody who then needs to, like, get on a plane and fly back to Japan? That is a little bit, yeah, that's that's proven to be difficult in previous years. Like, because I'm, I'm going to buy you something, and then I'll just keep it here. For a couple of years, or indefinitely, <laughs> who knows if or when forever. you're coming back. Who knows? <laughs> uh, anyway, Dave, that's my first star of the week, is that, like, Christmas shopping panic is rearing its ugly head again. What is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Matt, is actually a baby watch. We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby Watch. And I gotta say, uh, I did listen to... I hadn't gotten around to listening to the whole thing. I just listened to the first few minutes of the Super Sentai Buddies that Mark and Ivy had done. And when Mark... When they dropped the Baby Watch... I was like, Mark, you've got to be... That is that is the coldest way to tell your friends. Like, amazing, but also, like, kind of bonkers. And then he immediately was like, no, 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 do not worry about it. Like, we are not having a baby. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Anyways, so here is the... I really should... I shouldn't... I hesitate to say this because I don't want Mark to feel compelled to make a new stinger. And also, Baby Watch is, I think, my favorite stinger that we have. So here is a crazy thing. The twins are not quite three and a half now, and they have been sleeping in, like, on like, little kid mattresses on the floor in our room. Uh, and we started doing that because our house is old and it's not air conditioned, and so we only had one air conditioner, and it was hot in their room. And... Uh, they were just doing really well with it, like developmentally. Like it was very helpful for them to be able to sort of like wake up and just we were right there, um, you know, because they're foster kids yeah. and they, they've got some troubles to that way. So anyways, uh, Beth would, had Buddy Bear and he was sitting in bed and he was like, hey, why do I have a little bed? And Beth said, well, because you're kind of a little kid. And he said, I'm not so little, though. 
I should have a big kid bed. And Beth was like, oh, wow, okay, all right. And so and she said, would you have it here? And he said, no, I should have own room, which is wild because this is not something that he is like, he doesn't have like kids that he has like compared notes with, right? Like he doesn't go to other kids' houses. Not that they, like he plays with other kids, but like it's like he's gone to other kids' houses and seen that they have their own rooms and then like put together like, oh, I should also, like this is just kind of ex nihilo. Well, I mean, he, the two of them did have their own room before they moved into your room. Yeah, 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 they did. And technically we have like maintained because we are legally required to, like we have maintained a room that is exclusively theirs. It just, it's fuzzy. Anyways, and so they were like, okay, like, I guess you're going to have your own room. So Beth set this room up and it is, I am, I'm like giddy with freedom about it. It's (laughs) wild because we just say like, we finished it on like uh, Thursday, I want to say. And we've just said like, okay, like you can just, you can just go play in your room. And it's like kid proofed and they've got a couple of toys up there and they are so stoked about the new freedom that they have Uh to just be upstairs by themselves, like playing in their room that they're just, they just want to be up there all the time. And Beth and I are just like downstairs having a, having a cup of coffee, talking to each other like adults. And they're just, they're just bouncing around in their beds. It's why I, I, it's amazing. (laughs) Like, it's like, it's a quantum leap. It's incredible, Matt. Uh, And then also, they were kind of going up and down the stairs so much, and the gate that's on the bottom of the stairs has only in recent months been a sort of like a suggestive gate because they're very capable of just sort of like jumping, not jumping, but like sort of clamoring over it. Sure, the gate is there so that they are reminded that they are supposed to respect the fact yes. that there's a gate there. Yeah, precisely. And so, but they were just kind of, we were like, well, you're allowed to be up in your room. So we took the gate down. So there's no gate on the stairs anymore. And, like, I keep reaching for it, and uh, it was just, it's wild, man, that they're just so, like, they're just growing up in, like, a really crazy way. Like, they're up in their room, like, playing with toys, and there's no gate on the stairs. And, uh, you know, it's it's just, like, it's just pretty nuts. Man, that is wild, because on one hand, of course at some point they're going to, like have a bedroom where they hang out in and play with their toys, and there isn't going to be a gate on the stairwell. Yeah, of course. But for the first three and a half years, that is 100% not the case, and you forget that at some point that will actually happen. Yes. Yeah, precisely. Uh, There's a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff like that. It's like when you're in prison, you know that your term, like your sentence does have an ending, but it's hard to remember when it's coming. I, uh, yeah, that probably was a, is a pretty I good mean, analogy. I mean, I've never been to prison. I've, I've just yeah, I've never been to prison. But yeah, it is. It's really wild. That, like, people you just scratches on the walls, right? That happens in real prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just like, you get so accustomed to this thing. And like, oh yeah, like this is, this is just your life. And then all of a sudden, like, you don't really have to change diapers anymore. Like, I don't change diapers anymore. The kids are just potty trained. And it just sort of happened all of a sudden. Or rather, I I think a better example of it. And, of course, the example that I'm going to give is, like, not the same as the one that you were talking about. Because you were talking about, like, two small humans who you love. And I'm talking about, like, a terrible injury I once suffered. But when I broke my foot, like, gosh, it was, like, eight years ago now. 
Oh yeah, that was a minute ago. Um, I was on crutches for like, and I lived at the time. I lived in like a third floor walk up attic apartment. I was on crutches for like three months, and then like had a cane where I still had to like have like a special walking boot for a long time, and like I knew that eventually I would be able to like walk on my own without all that stuff. But when the time came for me to actually like put down the cane and put the crutches away and no longer wear the boot, like. It was, it was this like beautiful weight lifted off my back. Yeah, it is. It's pretty wild. So, anyways, that's uh, that's the baby watch. So the twins are are growing up, and it's real crazy and strange. What Matt is our third star of the week? The third star of the week is I. Okay, actually, real quick before I get into this star, because this star is vaguely uh, tangential to it. Did I ever follow up on Westerns Month with you? Not. No, you did not. I, I just couldn't remember if I had ever circled back around it on the show. No, not in like a substantive way. Okay, because uh, I, I watched The Mask of Zorro yesterday, and I was like, well, this doesn't actually count as a Western, really, but it maybe kind of does, because it's... It's like, yeah, it's in the, you know, it's it's kind of there. Does that movie hold up? I feel like it probably holds up. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing, Dave. It 100% holds up. The Mask of Zorro rules. Nice. Like nice, 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 nice. Like, there are one or two bits in it that probably, like, if they were making the movie now, those things wouldn't have been put in the movie. But they are not so big of a thing that they like, oh my gosh, this wrecks the movie, that Zorro is, like, a jerk in this moment, you know? Yeah, there is, there's one uncomfortable bit that I am thinking about. Uh, here's the thing that I realized about Zorro, like, at the end of the movie, when the credits started rolling... Is like, oh, this movie was directed by Martin Campbell. That name sounds familiar. I I bet I've am familiar with other movies of his because the name sounds so familiar. Uh, Martin Campbell also directed Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Oh dang! Okay, okay I, well, listen, yeah, that he also did direct the Green Lantern movie, but everybody gets a mulligan, and that's fine. Um, but I was like, man, Martin Campbell. Like, Martin, I don't know why Martin Campbell doesn't just have, like, a super hits career of coming in, doing, like, the first movie with, like, a new actor reviving an old character or franchise, and then getting out to go do it again somewhere else. Like, because all three of those, like, GoldenEye, Casino Royale, and Mask of Zorro are all, like, really good and fun. The sword fighting in Mask of Zorro, super, like... Yeah, it's. I'm not gonna go look it up right now, but I recall it being very good. Yeah, it's extremely good. Anthony Hopkins. Okay, it's. It, is it weird that Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Jones are both Welsh and both playing Spaniards? Yes, it is weird, but it's not weirder than Sean Connery playing a Spaniard Egyptian with a Scottish accent in The Highlander. See, we're not worried about it. Um, and also, dude. I remember watching that movie when it came out in the theaters and being like, oh, Anthony Hopkins, he's the old man. And I've watched the, the movie recently. I'm like, oh, he was not that old in this movie. I was going to say, he's <laughs> probably like in his 50s or something. Yeah, like he was definitely older than Antonio Banderas. But like, I think I'm currently older than Antonio Banderas was in that movie. Or if not... Uh, I think Antonio Banderas is probably older now than... 
Anthony like, Hopkins was in The Mask of Zorro. Yeah, thank you. I don't know why I had trouble like looping my my brain around those you words. Know what that means, See Dave. what they need to do. Break, yes, get, they need to come back. Get Martin Campbell back. Get Antonio Banderas. Get uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Just do it up. Bring in because we know we know that they have a kid. Right? There's a kid that they have at the end of The Mask of Zorro. That's right. Oh my gosh, why is this not already in the world? And that movie came out in what, 1996, 7, I think? Uh, you were the one who just watched it, Matt. I do not know. So that kid is, <laughs> but yeah, that sounds so about that right. That kid is now like an early 20s, like Zorro successor. Uh, Perfect. Very exciting. Should absolutely happen. Hollywood, I was going to say call me. Don't call me. Call Martin Campbell. Uh, yeah, he's the man you need to talk to. Anyway, um, also, Westerns Month was great. I did not watch as many as I wanted to, but I thoroughly enjoyed everything I got around to. Uh, highly, highly recommend spending some time digging into some classic Westerns. Uh, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star, wait, actually, Matt, real briefly, before we get into our fourth star of the week, uh, Mark, I assume, cut it out, but we had a brief pause just there because I just, I was scratching my leg and then too late, I noticed that it was a scab and it was bleeding. I needed to run and get a Band-Aid. That's the gross part. Here's the funny dad part. I did go to the cabinet to get a Band-Aid. I pulled out the only Band-Aids that are in my house, which are Paw Patrol Band-Aids. My children have never seen an episode of Paw Patrol. They just know who Paw Patrol is. From, like, and child they, cultural osmosis. Yeah, basically. Uh, they like the dogs from Paw Patrol. So I am currently wearing a Paw Patrol Band-Aid. But, man, I did not grab the first Paw Patrol Band-Aid. I pulled them out of the box. And I did go through to find one of the less desirable <laughs> dogs. So, like, there's a bunch, of, you know, there's a bunch of Paw Patrol dogs, and some of them are, like, definitely cooler, and some of them are, like, on the lame side. So, I currently have what I've got, like, a construction dog, which is not one of the ones that they like. And I was putting it on, and I was like, this is a pretty peak dad. Wait a second. Uh, of the, peak dad of the Paw Patrol dogs, the one that your children don't like is the construction dog. Man, don't even don't ask because, me to explain it. Okay, I don't know why. The, the reason this no. shocks me is because in all other facets, your children are obsessed with construction things. Yep. Yeah, they sure are, Matt. I, I have no idea why. I don't know that they have put it together. Like if they if they had seen the show and knew that this was the dog that like was like a truck oriented dog, they would probably have very different opinions. But as I mentioned, they've never seen the show. So they just, he's a yellow dog and they don't like, I don't know. Oh, right. Whatever. Anyway, so here is the actual, <laughs> here's the actual fourth star of the week. Matt, when you and I were kids, we had a game for the Nintendo. So, and, so far this tracks? Yeah. And it was, I didn't know the name of it. And uh, you were a ninja. And this, I remember the soundtrack being pretty good. And it was a very early Nintendo game. And you were kind of like jumping around the trees and you had ninja stars and you could jump like super, super, super high. Do you remember this game? Um, the, the jumping very high that did, did you okay. get like throwing stars that you upgraded to like throwing stars that were the size of yourself? Yes, you did. Okay, so Matt, here's here's what I need you to do. Because I've been trying to figure out what the heck this game was, and I could never figure it out. I I I swear to you, I had searched like everything that I could think of to try to figure out what this stupid game was called. 
And in a moment of, I don't know, ethereal clarity, I finally just Google searched early Nintendo Ninja game Forest, and the very first thing that pops up was this game. It's called The Legend of Kage. Matt, go to YouTube and just type in Legend of Kage. You're, you're, you're getting the live reaction right now. Yeah. No, this is 100% that game. Wow, this is a this is a Taito classic. I had Dave, I had forgotten 100% about this game. Oh, it's got a cast Kage Hero Ninja. Right? So anyways, um it's a very I played it on an emulator for a few minutes before we started this. It's a very bad game. I was going to ask, does uh, it hold up at all? No, it does not. No, this is a very bad like it's an early Nintendo I mean, I'm sure in, like, 1986, it was pretty amazing. Like, I remember digging it as a kid. Um, but it is certainly not, like, you know, the, the highlight game of a childhood that, that I remember it just being, like, this very cool game. Um, anyways, I was just so delighted to finally be able to, like, scratch that itch and know what this stupid game was called. Uh, I just needed to talk about it. Matt, oh, what man, is our okay. fifth? The thing that I loved about this game that okay, I... Okay, sorry, the, we're still the, on Legend the, of Kage. Very I'm, good. That I am being reminded of now... Is like you got the jumping through the trees and the climbing and like the the throwing stars and all that. And that's all great. The thing that I really remember loving about it is that at least in the first level, and I don't know if I ever saw a second level, um, it is nighttime. And it is apparently during a thunderstorm because like the background just flashes sometimes. Yeah. And I yeah, remember yeah, yeah. that know, actually... being like so like immersive because when the when the light flashes in the background that's when you see like the background trees that normally I don't think you can see you yeah no 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 you're totally right you know as I'm, I was thinking on this game just a second ago as I'm thinking about it for 1986 pretty cool yeah anyways also now, I had no uh, idea that the main character was supposed to be a man oh and I think I did know that because he's got like a, he's a ninja um, and it, if you're a child in 1986 and you're a boy, like all ninjas are automatically boys. So that was fine. Um, oh no, I did eventually what? see a next, a next, uh, second level because the second level you're like going through the river and jumping in and out while other yes. ninjas are attacking yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. So anyways, Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? I forget. Uh, hold on. Let me close this and look back at my list. Oh, it's, uh, Dave... We're currently living in a seltzer revolution, and I'm loving it. Yeah, and I gotta say, I'm loving it, Matt. I am I am on board for this. Went, went to my fridge earlier today. I was like, I'm gonna sit down, and I'm gonna watch this episode of Super Sentai. But I want to grab a drink first. What do I want to grab? And I saw that I had three different types of canned beverages in my refrigerator. I had a LaCroix, which is a standard mm. uh, seltzer water. Yeah. I had a White Claw, which is an alcoholic seltzer. And I also had a third drink that is called, and it's spelled dumb, it's, but the, the drink is called a Focus. P-H-O-C-U-S. Oh, this is like a, a lightly caffeinated but otherwise largely unflavored. It's like a caffeinated LaCroix. It is exactly a caffeinated LaCroix. Uh, 75 milligrams of uh, caffeine from tea specifically i don't know if it matters that that's where they got the caffeine from i think if you extract it it's just caffeine i feel like it's probably just caffeine 75 milligrams actually it's kind of it's more than you think it is 
I think it's actually a lot less than you think it is. I think a cup of coffee has like 120 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah, I, I think it has about the same caffeine as like a similarly sized thing of Coke. Like, it, it's not rocking like, you know, I'm not doing the do over here, but it's not like, it's yeah. not nothing. Okay, so sorry, uh, eight fluid ounces of coffee on average has about 95 milligrams. Now, I don't, I generally drink a larger mug than eight, eight ounces, but, okay, so it's like not even quite a small cup of coffee. Right, but it just struck me that like, oh my gosh, I have like, I've got wake up seltzer, I've got midday seltzer, and I've got party seltzer. And you've got evening seltzer. This is, no, like I said, dude, I am fully on board. And I gotta say, I gotta say, even though I am a person who likes seltzer, when like White Claw came out, I was like, oh my gosh, like, come on, man. Like, do we just live in an entire nation of woo girls now? Like, just have a beer. And then I had a White Claw and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, no, I get it now. I owe some people some apologies. Dude, they are, all, all three of those options are lovely. Just like, Low or zero calorie, lightly flavored fuzzy water. Like, dude, bring yeah, it dude, on. I'm a hundred percent here. It's for so it. good. It's I'm fantastic. drinking one right now. Drinking a focus. <laughs> I don't got work in the morning. I can have a little bit of caffeine after eight. Well, let's, let's not get crazy, Matt. Let's uh, you know all things in their proper place and time. Dave, I gotta stay up late and what and play Dead Cells. That's not a star. That's just a game I'm playing this week. We talked about oh, it last man. week. Yeah. Have you played any of the DLC yet? No, I'm still trying to play the uh, the original C, the OC. Anyways, so Matt, I, yeah, I realize yeah, I don't have a good transition out of that. Sorry. Well, that's fine. Let's cut back to what you were saying. Okay, well, well I, was, I was just talking about seltzer being good. But you know what else is good? Dang, Ge- you're so Gekiso good at this. Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. You know what else is good, Matt? Your ability to transition <laughs> from the stars into the thing. That's what's good. I, don't, I feel like I used to be very bad at them, and now I like they feel more natural, and I don't know when the transition point happened. Well, you know, man, you just kind of got to do something and do something, and then all of a sudden you don't yeah. notice, and it just clicks, yeah. and then you're good. I remember Butterfly Stroke was like that for me back when we were on swim team. You know, like, you ne- can't do it, and you can't do it, and you can't do it, and then just one day you're like, oh, this is how it works, and then you can just do it. I never got the knack of Butterfly. I really no? never did. Uh, but you know what I did get in the knack of, Dave, is transitions. And so now we're going to be transitioning from the five stars into the episode proper. Uh, it was Its original air date was January 10th, 1997. It was written by Hirohisa Soda. You can watch along on the DVDs or on ShoutFactory.tv. And we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, so this is episode 44. As you may recall from just a moment ago, before we went to break, I said that the air date of the previous episode, or of this episode, was January 10th. Now, the air date of the previous episode was December 20th, which means that there was actually an off week somewhere in there, right around the holidays, which, you know, which makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. Um, now, I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about this episode, because this is a total filler episode right at the end of the season. And I think it's probably because there had been a week off and they were like, you know, we're not going to dive right back into it. We're going to have a week of like just regular adventure stuff. And then I get the feeling that starting next episode is like the the unrelenting march towards the finish. Yeah, well, this is 44, and this, uh, I think we mentioned this before, but this is a little bit on the short side for a season. There's only 48 episodes of Car Ranger. So, 
This is 44, and then I, I think you're right. Like 40, I, I think we're probably pretty much in the in the home stretch here. So this episode, it is kind of a filler episode. It's a good one. Oh, sure. But it is kind of a filler episode. It is a New Year's episode, though. So uh, we start off, we're in Barbarian, and uh, for an intergalactic reckless driving tribe, the Bozok do celebrate New Year in a very Japanese way. I mean... They they do a lot of stuff in a very Japanese way, Dave. I mean, <laughs> listen, do. Japanese festivals are intergalactically popular. I think that's what we can learn from this show. Um, that is, I like. Here's what it's one of those things that, like, as a kid, and recognizing that again, this is a show for children. It 100 percent makes sense, right? Like, it's New Year's. You want to let the kids know, like, oh, it's New Year's, so you make New Year's look like the thing that they know that New Year's looks like because it's a Japanese show for Japanese children. But as an adult, not and not a Japanese person watching the show, uh, I do really love the conceit that Japanese culture has spread throughout the star, like absent of anything else from Earth. It is just <laughs> like it is just this one culture has made its way uh, to intergalactic popularity. So they're hanging out in the beauty saloon, and uh, Beauty's on that is wearing like a beautiful uh, robe sort of thing, and they're drinking some sake out of these uh, wine boxes, which I actually think has come up on the show previously uh, because I recognize I either recognize them from Sentai or from Japanese woodworking videos. It's a real toss up. I mean, as to Dave, I I love that both of those things are valid venues through which you could have found that piece of information. <laughs> it, they're these they're cool little boxes. Um, so, anyways, Emperor Exhaust drops in, and uh, he's a real killjoy. This dude sucks real hard, and he's like, "What are you do- like? What are you doing? Like, why are you all like hanging out in robes partying?" <laughs> Like, you're supposed to be, like, running riot. Like, no matter what the date is, you should always be acting like a reckless driving gang. And then I'm like, dude, Dash em- Reckless Dash Ember Exhaust, what makes you think that hanging around in a bar and drinking is not what biker gangs do? Like, that is yeah. famously one of the things that that's they do. Pretty, that's pretty de rigueur, man. Uh, so- and also, like, man, nobody goes hard 24-7, Ember Exhaust. Like, you know, you just can't, right? Like, even Dr. Doom has to have morning coffee or something, right? Like, nobody's evil 24-7. Uh, so <laughs> and that's basically what President Gynamo says. He's like, dude, it is New Year's. Like, we are just trying to have a good time. Can you please chill out? Uh <laughs> and it's like and also like even if we wanted to go down and mess with earth we have been going so hard this whole year against the car rangers that like all of our stuff is broken like all of our cars are broken every one of them we are trying to repair them now and we cut away to like what's that cockroaches guy the cockroach guy's name you know the cockroach uh, yeah he's got he's had like one or two different names i think actually we cut to a thing of like him in the garage holding a wrench and just, like, poking the cars with it. Yeah, he has no idea. He's a giant cockroach. He has no idea what he's doing. And there's some wumpers there. And Evil Emperor Exhaust, he says, Oh, well, I, I know the pro- I, I know the fix for this. You guys need to find the legendary wrench. So already you know this episode is solid gold. And he says, It's an evil wrench. 
It's like a legendary evil wrench, and in the hands of an, a specifically in the hands of an evil mechanic, it can instantly repair any car and make any modification. It is a menacing super wrench, and I'm pretty sure I, I heard that it was on Earth. Right. The fact that he has not brought this up before now is wild. Like, if this thing exists and he had an inkling that it was on Earth, I feel like day one to be like, all right, before you clowns do literally anything else, just go find the legendary wrench. Well, I mean, okay, and Dave. And then, to- like, we'll move on from there. Now, to be fair, Dave, this is one wrench on all all of Earth. This is like an ultimate needle on a haystack thing. Especially if it doesn't look like anything special when it's not being held by an evil mechanic. If it just looks like one regular wrench on the whole Earth, it's got to be incredibly difficult to find. Well, Matt, you know, you would think that. Uh, It turns out it's not at (laughs) all. But, uh, so he says, also, I will, uh, I'll give you my own riot. I'll give you a new, like, a, a ride so you can get down to Earth. It's the 1997 Exhaustar. And uh, it's kind of like a Sentai take on the on the 90s Batmobile. Um, I, I was going to say it's a Sentai take on a Death Race 2000 car. Ooh, okay, yeah. So I think, well, the Batmobile and the Death Race, there's a lot of similarities. So it's like, yeah. It's like a Batmobile Sentai death race car. Yeah. If that if that sort of helps you picture it. So we go down from there and uh, we got the Rangers and they're hanging out and they're like, oh, this is so peaceful and quiet. Maybe the Bozoak are like also just chilling out for New Year's. Like, let's go home. We'll have some tangerines. We'll eat some rice cakes. We'll watch some TV. This is going to be great. All of a sudden they hear a car like sort of swerve off the road. They run over and... It is Signal Man and, and his Signal family in their Signal station wagon. I this was I really feel like we needed a little bit more setup for the arrival of what's their name? Uh Sigue and Sig Sigtaru. Yeah. Like like this whole there's been all of this stuff about Signal Man and he like misses his son and he's gotta go back and then he does go back and then he's like mind controlled with evil vapors and then he comes back to Earth to like help the Rangers and, like this whole big thing. I did not it genuinely did not occur to me that there was an option of just like, oh, just bring them to Earth to be with you. Because if that was an option, why did they not do that? Right. Like months ago. Could have saved everybody a lot of heartache. <laughs> But they don't. But they're here now, and they're just hanging out. So maybe Sigtaru was in school, and he's like currently on his holiday break, so they're able to come visit or something. I dig. Okay, I actually like that quite a bit, Matt. I think we should hold on to that. So he's like, "Listen, I'm super sorry. Like, I was just driving the engine." He's like, "Oh, also, hello, civilians that I meet like a weird number of times from Pegasus Motors. Like, good to see you again." And he says, I don't know what happened. Uh, obviously, this was not user error. I was just driving along. The engine died, and we just sort of veered off the road and crashed. Natsumi is like, dude, do not even worry about it. I can fix your car so easily. And she reaches into her vest. And I do want to talk about this vest in a second, Dave. She reaches yep. into this vest and pulls out a single wrench. It is not a uh, adjustable wrench. It is just like... That- a this wrench. is the insane thing to me. This is not an adjustable wrench. It's just a regular, like, crescent crescent wrench, 
I'm not. Yes, it is just yeah. a well. It's a com- yeah. It's a crescent wrench. So it has two sizes on it. Yeah, I don't even think it has two sizes. I think it just has like the hook end and the loop end. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's got two sizes. Anyway, uh, and she just uses this wrench, and in the course of five minutes, or you know, like thirty seconds in like episode time. Um, probably five minutes in real time, just fixes the car, no problem, it's good to go. I, because I was still assuming that, like, finding the legendary wrench was going to be a lot harder than look in Natsumi's pockets, uh, I did not put together that this was the legendary wrench. I thought this show was just insane. Yeah, no, I was just like, oh, well, she's just got, like, and even the other rangers are like, do you just carry a wrench with you all the time? And she's like, yeah. And then a bozo just drives by and snatches it out of her hand. And this is like, Let's, this is it. We found it. This is the legendary wrench. The bo- My notes do say in all caps, Matt, wait, does she just have the wrench? <laughs> yes, of course she does. This episode yeah. does not have time to go on a grand quest for the wrench. Uh, it is grabbed by a bozo whose name is M.M. Shurski, right? Did I... I think that's, yeah, a, that's I think about so. it. It's, it's, a, it's a funky one, yeah. And he grabs it, and he is out of there. So Natsumi's like, oh my gosh, that's my special wrench. Runs after. But, like, she clearly does not know that this is some sort of magical wrench. It's just her, like, lucky wrench, right? Yeah. Um, But the, then the wrench. The wrench, now that is being held by an evil person, transforms into the evil wrench. Which is just, like... A big prop, like, evil-looking blue wrench. Yeah, and so this... I'm just... Shuriski... M.M. Shuriski, he's he's got it. And, okay, before we get any further into this, I do want to to let you down gently so you won't be as disappointed as I was. I was really hoping that this was going to be kind of an intense mechanic off. Uh, And it's not... It's not in the sense that I was, was hoping for it to be. Just to be clear. Yeah, so it's, um, it's an exploration of the soul of a mechanic, but there is not like a, a mechanics competition. Yeah, that's kind of what I was really, I was hoping for. So the Rangers are on it, and uh, Natsumi is like, she she chases it. It's, she's she's sorry, chasing it's totally... after, and it's, she is definitely not chasing after it because it is like this legendary evil wrench. Yeah, She's no, no, chasing no. after it because it's important to her, and we, then we get to see why this wrench is so important to her. Yes. So here's the deal. She has actually, the fact that she works at Pegasus Motors is not, it turns out, random. It's not like she was just a good mechanic and got hired. She has been showing up to Pegasus Motors to, like, hang out since she was a child. Because it was her dream, like, ever since she was a little kid to be a mechanic. And she would just go to Pegasus Motors and hang out with the head mechanic there, who never has a name assigned from Mr. Mechanic. Uh, and just sort of, like, apprentice under this dude. And the the dude, one we're watching in this flashback, is Natsumi, like, child Natsumi walks up, and he's like, listen, like, girls are destined to be, like, great mechanics, and I will tell you why. It is because cars and people... Are the sa- are very much the same. Yes. And cars feel pain the way that humans feel pain. And as a good mechanic, a-, a good mechanic, the best mechanics 
are able to recognize a car's pain so that they can, like, treat them effectively. And girls naturally have the kindness that is required to, like, be in sync with the soul of the car to feel its pain. Yeah, this is incredible. Beth actually sat down just kind of out of nowhere. She has not watched any episodes of Car Ranger, but she sat down and watched this episode with me. And she said, wow, I'm really... Like, I'm really torn about this because on one hand, it's very much opening up the idea that, like, girls can be great mechanics, but it is doing it in, like, the most sexist way possible. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> so he says, so he, we're still in this thing, and Mr. Mechanic hands to this wrench, and he says, I found this wrench in, like, an old secondhand shop, and, like, I've used it for years, and now I will give it to you. And this, it's, like, her first tool you know like this is the first mechanics wrench that's her own wrench that she has and it's like very special so we go back and uh she says like it used to be an evil wrench but like it's not like anymore like it's my wrench but like it is definitely very obviously an evil wrench so that's a little bit a little bit torn. You know, it, when she is saying this, I think that she is coming to grips with the fact that it is a magic wrench because I don't think before this, like I don't yeah, think no, she, she had no idea. She did not think that this was an evil wrench. I don't even think she thought it was a magic wrench. She just like it's the, maybe she thought it was like like lucky in a way that was significant to her, but I don't think she thought there was anything actually supernatural about it. Yeah. Although it's it's a little vague because in my notes I do write down at this point is this a magic dancing shoes thing because it's kind of a magic like a magic like ballet shoes thing right this episode a little bit oh I had a uh, I had a Dumbo I had a Dumbo magic feather thing but yeah like it's definitely that's kind of the vibe and so so anyway we're we're, we're back in the present the chase is still ongoing. Yeah, we do get, uh, it's a very good chase because, oh, so sorry, uh, Natsumi sort of, he uses the mechanic, the evil mechanic's wrench to sort of like, I guess it can also unfix cars, like it can just, break is the word I'm looking for, it can like destroy or repair cars, so he just sort of like reaches out and knocks a wheel off of her yellow racer car, uh, and so she's sort of sidelined, and then Dragon Cruiser and Pegasus Thunder roll up. And, and they're sort of in the chase, and, and Natsumi, like, kind of jumped. She unhensions for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And then when she gets back in the car, she still is not henshined. So it's just the four rangers and Natsumi in the rangers, like, in the ranger's car. I mean, insofar as this is a TV show, I think the excuse is, like, she kind of got rattled when her car spun out, and that caused her to unhension. And then they were going into a scene where she was going to be doing a lot of dialogue, and they thought it looked better without a helmet on. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's that's fair. So uh, he, it, MM, what's this dude's weird name again? Shuurski. MM Shuurski. He. Uh, it's actually a very cool chasing because he is modifying his car on the fly. So like they're right behind him, and he does like a smoke screen. And they're like, dude, like, have a little... Right. Like, they're offended. Right, like, it's this is episode 44. You have to take us more seriously than that. <laughs> Which is great. So they did that, and then uh, he, he's like, all right, fine. So he does, like, a razor blade attack. So that's pretty cool. No, 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 bazookas. Sorry, bazookas are next. And the bazookas... 
they're, take they're, they're out. able to avoid the bazookas pretty easily. Uh, yeah. Then, then he brings it, he's like, okay. And he brings out this, like, saw blade thing where it shoots out, like, these energy saw blades at them. Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the Ninja Turtles pizza shooter. If yeah, that's ringing any bells. That's yeah, very much like a Ninja Turtles pizza shooter. Yeah. Um, when this happens, Pegasus Thunder is like, cool, well, I have a flying mode, so I'm just going to fly away from this stuff. Uh, Dragon Cruiser, however, does not have a flight mode and gets nailed with it and sort of, like, spins out. Yeah, so uh, the engine won't start. They all hop out of the car. And they're like, okay, like, not to me. Like, this is very definitely your department. Like, can you kind of handle this? And she says, I, like, I need my wrench. Like, no, I can't. And this is like the magic feather dancing shoes sort of sort of thing. She's like, I need the wrench. Like, because, of course, she does not know that, it's only a magic wrench if you're evil. So for her, it's only ever been just like, it's not a magic wrench as far as Natsumi is concerned. Like the magic doesn't work for her. You know, it's like class delimited or right. it's uh, alignment delimited. Like she's not evil. She can't attune to the magic item. Right. It's just a wrench, but she's like totally rattled by this. Yes. Uh, anyway, so go to commercial, cut back. The, the flight mode the Pegasus Thunder had been using to escape is immediately disabled when uh, M.M. Shuriski uh, shoots a missile at it and knocks it yep. out of the sky. And it lands, and yeah, it's still yeah, able yeah. to drive okay, but it can't take off again. So now it's just stuck trying to drive away from um, the... What was that car called? The 1997 Exhaust Star. Yes. So now we're in a chase scene, and then uh, Zelmoda gets in the mix... And they've got kind of a chicken game, right? Where the uh, M.M. Shriski is behind them and Zomoto's in front of them and the Rangers are just sort of driving in the middle and, uh, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Dave? We don't, yeah. They're in um, terrible danger. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, uh, you know, they. it actually turns out to be fine. Like, the Rangers just drive by Zomoto. Yeah, like, they're still in, in danger, but they're not just, like, smushed yeah. between two cards. And uh, then a wild thing happens, which is they drive to a quarry. And that doesn't seem like it would be crazy, but, Matt, I sort of, I sort of didn't realize until I saw a quarry, there have not really been a lot of quarries in this season. At least not in the back half of the season. The early part of the season, I do remember there were a, like at least a handful of quarry episodes. Yeah, uh, I mean you you got to get in some, but like, but yeah, yeah they're not, really not have not featured it. heavily. It has been a while, I think, since we've gotten a good quarry episode. Yeah, and I just it was like a very weird moment because like I saw the quarry. And it was, you know what it was? It's like, you know when you've got like a really bad headache and all you can focus on is the headache and then you take some medicine and then like 25 minutes later, once the medicine kicks in, all of a sudden you realize you're like, oh, like my headache is gone. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like that. Like, oh, there aren't any, oh my gosh, there haven't been any quarries. It was just a really weird moment. <laughs> but now we're back. Now we're back. Uh, we're back to the status quo. But now it feels good, right? We took a long break, and now I feel like I'm ready to engage with quarries again. Right. They, they didn't let this. that field life fallow for a little bit. Yeah. So we're back to Natsumi. And uh, and again, she is just 
she's she's got the hood open on Dragon Cruiser, and she's kind of staring hopelessly at the engine because she just shattered. Like I feel bad for her. This is she's really pulling it off here. And the guys are like, they get a call when on their. When you say she's their, really pulling it off, you mean the actress playing that Sumi is doing sorry, a great yeah, yeah, job yeah. Thank you. Scene. She's doing a great job of of selling this. Uh, the guys get a call on their uh, power bracers or excel bracers, and they're like, "Okay, Natsumi, like we totally trust that you've got this. Like we, but we have to go. Like we are going to go help the rest of the team. We have total faith in you. Like you can do this, but you do need to do it because." Like things are breaking bad pretty hard over here, right? Uh, there, there's a because it's cutting back and forth between her trying to do this and then Pegasus Thunder trying to escape. Uh, at some point, they they be like they get a little breathing room because while Zelmoda and um, MM Shuriski have both been attacking Pegasus Thunder, eventually Signalman shows up in his station wagon with his family. Um, and he shoots, like, he, like, pulls up behind him, he's like, hey, you guys are all driving recklessly, and he shoots at Zelmoda, and, like, one shot from his pistol breaks Zelmoda's car, so, like, I guess they had been able to fix it, kind of, but, like, just enough to get it back on the road, and now that Signalman has shot it with one single laser, uh, he is, like, he <laughs> has to go back to space. To- <laughs> um, but before Signalman is able to take out M.M. Shuriski, like... You know, I think another missile gets launched. He has to swerve off to the side of the road to avoid being hit. And then, since Natsumi's not there to fix it, he's sort of out of the fight. Yes. So, we go back from there, and Dragon Cruiser is like... Natsumi's just standing there, and the guys have left. And Dragon Cruiser sort of like... Like, the lights flash a little bit. And it just sort of, like, jerkily starts rolling after after the guys even though it's really damaged. And Natsumi is, like, so... Like, she's so overcome by this. She's like, oh my gosh, Dragon Cruiser. The engine is sparking. Like, smoke is pouring out everywhere. This is a real uh, Johnny Five moment. It is a real Johnny Five moment. Yeah. From Short Circuit. Right. And so he... And so she's just, like, she's overwhelmed by this. Like, oh my gosh. It so wants to... You know, to like to to go join the fight. Like I need to do this, and so she sort of remembers her mentor, um, and then she runs up and she pleads with Dragon Cruiser. She's like, "No, Dragon Cruiser, stop! Like, don't like stop where you are. I'm so sorry that I haven't felt your pain. Like, I have not been empathetic enough to you to in a your live pain, car, <laughs> right? To you, a living dragon car from space." And now I'm, I'm like, back in the zone, and I do feel it, and now I can repair you. Even and without she sort of, the magic of my non-magic wrench that is actually <laughs> magic, just not for me. <laughs> she has another wrench. She's just got, like, a regular, yeah. like, an adjustable hex wrench. Uh, Dave, um, can, I, can I really quick interrupt uh, and say something else about Natsumi in this episode? For sure. I don't know if this is the first episode we've seen her wearing this outfit. I don't think it is. I think we've. I think this has maybe been her like last I, quarter. I of believe the season, that's correct uh, outfit. But I think that with her costume change, we have officially moved from the early '90s to the late '90s. Like, if you look at what she is wearing, it is like she's got a. Uh, 
It's like a black pleathery zippered vest with, with some like zippered a couple pockets. extra zippered pockets, like this, like br- these brown leather, like boot cut, like slim leg but boot cut, almost bell bottomy things, and and a red uh, rib turtleneck, a red yeah, red orange ribbed turtleneck sweater, um, and like the whole thing together, I was just like, oh my gosh, like. This is that sort of proto year two thousand fashion that like that like so defined like or, you know like this is at least like an expression of something that I just remember from this era yeah like very very clearly and like you know the beginning of this season and especially like in previous seasons like it was very clearly like early to mid nineties and right I, and, and this is now and also her hair I feel like. I don't know what it is about. It might just be seeing her haircut next to that outfit. But I like, think it's the outfit because her hair has not changed. But like, man, maybe her hair was just like primed and ready to go for this outfit change. Because it like this just looked like something out of the trailer to like the mid 90s, like uh, Charlie's Angels movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so we go from there. Um, the... Uh, we we get this sort of like repair fight montage, right? So like we're bouncing back and forth between Natsumi working on Dragon Cruiser and uh, Pegasus Thunder in the fight. Pegasus Thunder is on fire for a second there. And then the Rangers are about to be run down. Then riding in from the sunset, Dragon Cruiser is back in the fight. It's, it's that fixed great it. shot where the, like, the hero comes in through like this sort of like the hazy, like, heat Right, the waves. shimmery haze. Of, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, so she, and it's not, and this is, I think, a very cool moment because it's not the yellow racer. It's Natsumi. Like, she has not henchened yet. Yeah. Like, she's just in this fight as herself. Like, as, not as the yellow racer, as the chief mechanic of Pegasus Motors who has, like, repaired this car and is now, you know, coming to save the day. Uh, it's a very cool moment. So... Then we have a great, a great piece of stunt work. So she is, uh, she's driving alongside the 1997 Exhaust Star. They're kind of bumping back and forth. She's furious. She's like, you're bad and you took my wrench. She like henshins in the car and then jumps over to the hood of the Bozoak, the Exhaust Star. And then there's like a big fight on the hood of this car, um... It's great. Yeah, it's really good stunt work because, like, they definitely are on the hood of a moving car. Like, the the camera is sort of angled such that, like, that car might be, like, being dragged on a dolly or on a track or something. But it looks great. Yeah, it's uh, it's super, super cool. And then she, she basically, like, she manages to, like, get the wrench and she, like, jumps off the car and then they sort of, like, loop around, and they're like, we'll get you. And she's like, you definitely won't. She just, like, holsters the wrench, which is still evil, and then just does a Navic blaster and explodes their car. I do and- love that, like, the whole time before she showed up, because, like, they were also trying to blast that car with lasers, and I'm sure that they were hitting it, but the impression that I get from this scene is that that car has, like, two hit points, Right. And, like, the heroes would hit it once, and then he would, like, real quick repair it with his magic wrench so they could never actually beat it. 
But now that the wrench is taken away, like, all she needs to do is take out that last hit point, and it just blows up immediately. Ah, I didn't even thought... <laughs> That's because again. otherwise, there's no excuse for, like, this them shooting it forever, and then her killing it with one blast. Uh, so it's a good wrench again. She's a jail racer, but now it's a good wrench again, and that's very cool. And then we get the shortest giant fight I think we've ever seen. Like, we don't even see this dude eat the Iro Yokan. They're just hanging out. And they're like, hey, like, great job, Yellow Racer. Like, well done. And then we just sort of pan over, and he just goes, I'm giant now. <laughs> and then Natsumi calls VRV, Ma- VRV Robo. They do, like, a real quick combination. They sort of, like, hip toss the monster and then finishing shot. It's over in less than 30 seconds. There's a brief moment where, like, he tries to hit them with a wrench, and they grab the wrench out of his hand and tweak his ear with it and then knock him over and then murder him with guns. <laughs> it's like, it's... You, I, I almost missed it because I blinked. Um, so anyways, uh, and then that's that's kind of where in the end in the end thing here... Um, all the cars are fixed. All the cars are okay now, which is great. Natsumi's fixed them all. And uh, Dragon Cruiser, which has up to now kind of been Naoki's like, car buddy, likes Natsumi more now. Right. He's sort, sort of, of like, warmed up to Natsumi. He ditches Naoki and Minoru and like rolls over to hang out with Natsumi. And everyone kind of laughs at the other two. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, she, then we get a shot of just Natsumi alone. In Dragon Cruiser, and she's like, thanks, Dragon Cruiser, for, like, reminding me about what it means to have the heart of a mechanic. And then the episode is over. Without ever telling us how they, like, what the deal is with her mentor, or how he ended up with that wrench. I mean, And, you know, I would really, if we were not so close to the end of the season, I would assume that they were going to loop back. And explain that in some way, and I really do not think they are ever going to. No, it's absolutely not going to happen. But I really thought it was going to. I thought that, like, she, like, when we got to the halfway point in this episode, what I assumed was going to happen is that that mechanic was going to come back and, like, you know, explain that he was an escape, like, you know, uh, a guy who quit the Bozoak years ago and had been hiding on Earth and had, like, brought the wrench with him and that he gave it to her for safekeeping, but that it was never actually magic for her. It was just her believing in it that did it. You know, like, that sort of, you know, that that whole arc could have right, very like that, easily Something happened. like that, yeah. And it just didn't. So we have to assume then that he was just a guy who randomly bought that wrench in a secondhand shop and decided one day to hand it to Natsumi, who later became the Yellow Racer, all completely coincidentally. Which, I mean, whatever, is fine, but that is not what I was expecting. Yeah. (laughs) I really was expecting there to be quite a bit more explanation there. Uh, so that's the end of the episode, David. Of course, it's not the end of our episode, because first, we need to scroll down near the bottom of this list and figure out where M.M. Shuriski ends up. So, man, I, I feel a little bit weird, because I feel like we keep kind of tossing a lot of these monsters down. Now, I know there are some, there are some monsters that uh, have made it into to top tier from this show, but... 
I feel like a lot of the monsters from this season have have not been not been super great. Well, the pro- yeah, it's the thing is that Dave, that that's not our fault. We're just right the ones with the list. Yeah. So I feel okay. So he doesn't have a super cool look. Uh, I like the idea that he is their best mechanic. I feel like they could have done more with that, but. Like a lot of the character, a lot of monsters in this season, he is mostly just there to be the dude with the wrench. Like, they really could have just given the wrench to, like, Inventor Gronch or even Zelmoda, and this dude could have not existed, and the episode would have been functionally the same. Because the thing about the wrench is that the wrench, in the hands of someone evil, can repair anything or make any modification. You don't have to be a good mechanic to do those things. It's a magic wrench. They shouldn't have sent him down at all. They should have sent the cockroach down and left that guy on Parabarian to actually fix the other cars. That actually would have been much better. I would have liked to have seen the cockroach with this magic wrench. Like, this dude being the guy who they sent down was the worst possible thing they could have done. And that, I think, is part of the reason why I'm thinking so low. Is like, it, it was a waste of a dude, and he was he's just not super memorable. Yeah, he isn't. Um, so, down near the bottom... So, I, w- I was actually about to say that, like, the bottom 10 is 20% uh, uh, from this show, but that... This is 20, they're 20%, like this is the fifth season, so 20% is right in line. But out of the top 12, or the bottom 12, I guess, four of them are are from this this season. So there's just a lot of like low, low monsters here. So down at the bottom is M.M. Mogu, Yu Warren, and C.C. Pachone. I... I like Cece Pachone. I actually like all of those dudes better than this guy. Cece Pachone at least had like, I don't know. Like I'm remembering how he said his name. Like he had some kind of personality. The problem when we get to this bottom part of the list is that like a lot of times when they get to the reason they're at the bottom of the list is because they are not super memorable. So as we are talking about them, I have to like Google all of these people like, okay, who on like, earth who the is heck is this Pichone? guy? Right. Uh, so I, I guess I like this dude a little bit. No, I guess I like him better. No, CC Pachone was like he had some like weird creep factor. I don't remember what it was, but he's he's kind of a jerk. Oh, he was um, the bad guy in the episode with the little like fur ball thing that ate concrete. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I think I actually like this guy. I like I think him it may, better. I think it might have ranked that lowly because of like cruelty to animals, maybe. That I don't know. That kind of sounds like us. Uh, I like him better than I like MM Mogu. I Cherry Blossom Viscount was a weird, forgettable monster, but when we forgot about him and then I looked him up, and now I kind of remember him. And he at least had kind of a cool look. Oh yeah, like which this dude does not I, even have. I don't so. remember almost anything about him except for how he looks. And Cherry Blossom Viscount looks cool. So I, I think above MM Mogu and below Cherry Blossom Viscount, and that's the new spot one seventy. Okay. 
Well, we're like I said, we're, we're closing in on the end of this series. And so maybe we'll get another good one or two monsters. And if nothing else, soon we get to rank uh, the the Bozok like top people themselves in our wrap-up episode. And those dudes, I think, are going to rank, or at least some of them, pretty highly. Yeah, pretty highly, definitely. Um, but that, Dave, now is the end of this episode, is it not? Yeah, it is. It is. There, yes. Okay, just wanted to double-check. Uh, before we finish yep. up here, we'd like to remind you all that you can email <laughs> the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. You want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. Dave, if the good people would like to get a hold of you to get in on the playtest for Ghost Sentai Heroes, your tabletop role-playing game, how would they do that? Matt, they can just email me at GhostSentaiHeroes, that's all one word, at gmail.com, and I will get the rules out to you and put you on the update for any future playtests we put out. And I've gotten some feedback from people, which has been super rad. Uh, if you have gotten the rules, if you've gotten a chance to play it, I'm super looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, right on. Another thing that we would look forward to is, uh, hey, you might have heard that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you would like to rate review uh, on there, five stars, that would be lovely of you. Uh, also, if you would tell a friend that you think like would like this show, that would be doubly lovely of you. Uh, I, I can't think of a thing that would be triply lovely of you, uh, but I'm sure that you can think of something that would make you feel good. So just do that, and then assume... That that is what I meant. Okay. It's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm not taking any more takes on any of this. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>